Welcome to the Westminster Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you go buy stuff and make sure you join on the join in the discussion. I can't talk today, as usual, in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Also, make sure you like and share the show on the Westminster Effects Facebook page. Uh, not with us today in person is the right reverend. Mr. Pastor, MVP of the National Preaching League, Bradley Cox of Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina. Uh, he had some things to attend to, mostly involving installing our new live stream technology at Res, Ooh, uh, which, which will be century. fun. And yeah, so so we made a uh, giant leap for mankind. Uh, or church kind, if you will, um, you know, because of the Rona, and some people still aren't comfortable with coming back yet. Um, so that's where he is right now, is helping to install that. Uh, but joining me via the interwebs, per usual, is one. Hey, everybody. This is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, uh, and this past Sunday, dual amplifier user from Lincoln, Nebraska. Ah, so you ran stereo, huh? Well, not quite. I ran dual mono. Um, so we uh, we had a scheduling kerfuffle, and uh, um, our uh, I think I was scheduled for for lead this past week, and then our uh, and then the other person who was slated for the rhythm slot wasn't able to make it. Yeah, he was on. Uh, on vacation or something uh so uh i ran a di pair um from my pedal board and took the 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 output loop on the first di and ran it into my black star and took the other one ran it across stage ran into the blues junior and panned them hard left and hard right in my ears it was glorious it was glorious I've i've never actually done that before uh i mean stereo would have been a whole nother game but you know most of my i think all but my Reverb, my Calcedon Dual Reverb, uh, my signature pedal, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you are <laughs> responsible for the creation of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the exception of that, like everything on my board is analog, and uh, so uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, stereo options in the analog world, at least not in uh, in my price point. Uh, so yeah, Dual yep. Mono worked out, and uh, yeah, it was fun, and uh, gave the front of house energy engineer a little just something to play with, and. Uh, change amps versus uh you know based upon the what tone the song needed and sometimes blend them both together it was good stuff oh yeah that's fun yeah we um well i wasn't there uh i was at the in-laws beach house in north carolina though we did still partake in the live stream which i'm not a fan of missing church ever uh but you know if it happens once in a year then i think i can handle that (laughs) but um we're back inside now at res Mm-hmm. Uh, doing two services, not letting people in until 10 minutes before, and all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to actually be back inside the building with air conditioning next week. So that'll be awesome. Yeah, I, I can imagine that would be, be nice. I don't know what the temperatures are like down there on the average, but we're we're getting close to 100 on the daily. We'll hit we'll hit a hundred in, in August, guaranteed. We always do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's been it's been upper nineties. I I didn't pay attention to the heat index, but it's actually um, cooler here than it is there. Uh, we're we're sitting about ninety one, ninety two on the okay. highs right now. What's um, humidity like? Obscene. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's about <laughs> like it is here. Um, but this Sunday, I will be playing electric at church for the first time since all of this went down oh yeah because so, you guys did what, the, the strip down it was like br- the the music uh, that during this uh this whole uh live during stream the rona. On, or yeah during the rona so before we did uh in-person stuff it was uh, a guy named zeke and bradley's wife uh um, ah, okay and then yeah and then while we've been outside it's Zeke and for a couple of them Mary or Mary Bradley's wife was up there mm-hmm. and then we kind of rotated female singers and stuff and I played bass gotcha and we had a box drum and a and a piano so sweet yeah. so just kind of made it work last week was also stripped down but they you know they had the full drum kit since they were inside we were mm-hmm. not about to drag that whole thing outside oh and, for uh, sure 
yeah and set it up every week and all that kind of nonsense so um yeah so it's just like last week was pretty stripped down and this week we'll finally be able to crank it a little bit so it'll be fun nice yeah so uh let's jump into the topic shall we uh i guess i'll keep this question anonymous uh yeah yeah probably a good idea uh so (laughs) it starts out i've listened back over 25 podcast episodes in the past two weeks Thank you and bless your heart, Um, (laughs) including episodes on creating new culture and structures around worship, what the gathering of the church means, and the thorough intentionality behind every thought process or decision that goes into Sunday services and worship leadership. Uh, Namely, Brian Onkin introduced a lot of cognitive dissonance for me about lyric and production elements. I'm both a guitarist and an audio, video, and lighting geek. My question is, say, I am at a church, and this is why it's anonymous, uh, doesn't sound like this is hypothetical, <laughs> but, <laughs> but in, in the line of Ben Shapiro, say, hypothetically, uh, I'm at a church that after deeply reflecting on my theology of worship, I, I realize it has unhelpful or maybe even damaging practices in their service, such as uncarefully selecting music with questionable lyrics, focus on the musicians and atmosphere in the form of lights and camera instead of directing all focus to God, etc. What can I do? Would it be appropriate for me, hypothetically, a member to try to talk to the pastoral leadership about these issues? I'm curious about if this answer changes depending on if I am or am not involved in the tech booth slash band. There's a lot there. There but is. it's it, worth all of that is worth considering though it it definitely is and and you know there are some things that uh, uh, that this listener mentioned uh, that uh, you know some things that w- that we have going on at, at, at Christ in uh, in Lincoln um, with uh, not necessarily uh, that I'd consider uh, negative but there are things that uh, you know the listener mentioned the intentionality piece. And uh, you know, with the lighting, with the uh, with the the cameras for for iMag or or you know, image magnification, you know, so you, people in the back row can see better or whatever. Just doing it because it looks cool versus doing it because it serves a practical purpose um, to either right. make things more approachable or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that those are the things that stuck out to me right away. But um, you know. In general, I, I think this is a, a very healthy awareness uh, to have. Oh yeah, um, because we, you know we can't be fooled into thinking that just because we we walk into a building that has uh, a cross on top of the steeple that everything's going to be hunky dory. I mean, we know full well that, um, and, and this isn't even necessarily uh, doctrinal issues between different uh, Protestant bodies. I mean. Uh, there are are many uh, feel weird sometimes even calling them churches, but uh, organizations that that attempt to fly under the banner of Christianity uh, that that are obviously uh, obviously not and and anti biblical. And I'm not saying that that's what's going on here, but I the the point is is that we always be mindful that we act like the Bereans. Always taking things back yeah. to scripture to see that they were true, and that yeah. doesn't mean being a skeptic. You know, it it means holding up scripture in your own life as the foundation and the the norm that norms the the norm normata, and mm-hmm. and using that as your benchmark. Now, the the real heart of the question is what do you do if you are plugged in, to use a modern church phraseology, if you are plugged into a <laughs> congregation that after study and prayer and meditation and consideration, you realize, wow, there are some things here that that I, I see are not helpful or, or as, as the listener uh, alluded to, are actually damaging. And what do you do there? Um, yeah, and I think it's a, it's important to 
differentiate, well, how harmful or sure. how unhelpful are these things? Uh, like, you're, you're going to disagree with some things, you know, Absolutely. because we're all human. Uh, like, there, there, there are a couple of phrases that even Bradley will throw out every now and then where there's no way that I would phrase it that way. Mm-hmm. But it's such a minor deal. Like I'm not even, I'm not even going to bring it up. Yeah. Now there have there have been times when I've asked for clarification, because, you know, he said something, say a phrase that I've heard some goofball say, but it, in using that phrase, Bradley meant basically the exact opposite of what the goofball said. Well, sure. It, so it, it's like, like when we break it, down. It's it, like when we break down a song. You know, it's like when you yeah. break down a song, you're like, well, we could definitely sing these lyrics with a proper biblical uh, understanding. Uh, right. But we can also assume, uh, based upon some other contextual evidence, that perhaps those who wrote it or produced it or performed it were not doing yep. so with that understanding. Um, you know, not, not, to, not to throw this phrase out there, uh, but you're exactly right on... Uh, the how damaging or damaging to whom it's the according to what standard is it damaging is yeah. it damaging based upon your personal tradition is it damaging based upon uh, scriptural truths uh, church right. I mean church tradition church polity I mean what have you uh, I mean that's that's the first thing just to make sure that because I find myself in this situation a lot um, when, uh, like, for instance, you know, everyone, everyone who listens to the show knows that I am not a fan of the, uh, the quote, at the movie series, which is a parable <laughs> preaching format where the movies are used as allegory uh, to describe, um, uh, to describe a, a, a principle of Christianity or the Christian life. Uh, and I'm not a fan of those, and, and, and people are aware of that. But I also have to remember that I do... in in fact, trust uh, our pastors to deliver a message that is in line doctrinally, that is in line uh, spiritually, biblically, uh, and that there are people that do respond to that. So I need to make sure that if I'm going to call out somebody, that I'm going to do so, or at least I'm going to try my darndest to do so, uh, from a position of self-neutrality, and use the only thing by which we can measure everything, and that is Scripture itself. Right. Right. Yeah. And we, ha- we have to differentiate between, even within that, like, are we talking about uh, potentially a, a church that's sliding headlong into something like theological liberalism? Mm-hmm. Or is it, is it something that maybe they've just assumed, uh, which we have a lot more assumed practices in our churches than we realize, Right, Uh, Mm. where, and and I'm not, and I'm, I'm. (laughs) Whoever's listening to this, don't hear what I'm not saying. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) saying that youth groups shouldn't exist, but what I am saying is they're just assumed in the American church these days. Right? Is we just kind of assume that there's going to be a separated middle school and high school group. Right. I mean, let's you know, let's let's illustrate that. Let's expand that for a second. Let's put together a list based strictly on our own personal tradition and nothing else. Let's say we start a church. Wouldn't that be a thing? Um, <laughs> it'd be water fights, <laughs> literally. Um, and uh, yeah, you you so, have the squirt gun, and we'd be holding people under. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. Uh, so let's 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 put a, a list together on if we started a church right now based solely upon our tr- our personal tradition, not our not our theology, uh, mm-hmm. not our study, but our personal tradition of what we've seen growing up. What a church needs, youth group. Church needs a youth group. Sunday school, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, probably a choir. If I mean, if if the, if the at least the context at you know would 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 do that probably needs a choir or or, or instruments in general or instruments in general uh, yes yeah um, oh jeez um, maybe an Easter breakfast we have to do an Easter breakfast I mean we have to do an Easter <laughs> breakfast yeah you know. uh, 
a pulpit or a lectern or a table of sorts. Yes, uh, some sort of uh, chancel dressing. Uh, yeah, oh, we or need, even you know some oh, kind of elevated platform. Yeah, uh, seating. <laughs> That's an assumption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and you know. Um, if you were to ask me this question when I was younger, maybe 10 years old, I'd be like, oh, we, you need hymnals. You need an organ. Right. Um, well, you need a fellowship hall. And, uh, you know, what about, uh, well, you absolutely need a cry room and a church library and, and, uh, and child care during, uh, you know, during, you know, these events and, and maybe a nursery even um, for the young kids. Uh, so they don't cry in the middle of service, or you know, and the list goes on and on and on of all of these things that are are not inherently anti-biblical, but are certainly extra-biblical, um, right? Is, uh, of what we need, quote quote, uh, to have a church. Yeah, and so yeah, you are exactly right with these uh, these assumed. I, I forget the phrase you you use, but these assumed needs, uh, right. Right, and then and then to and then to kind of take it in the specific direction of the question of uh, not being careful with selecting music and particularly mm, that yep. which has questionable lyrics, uh, like that. That's an assumed thing that you have to be singing the latest, the latest stuff on the radio. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> if you look back through, so one one of my musical pet peeves. Is when you have people saying stuff like, "Oh, well, music in insert era here, '60s, '70s, '80s, '90s, what have you, was so much better than this crap that we have today." But you go back and look at the top 40 lists, and there's a lot of garbage <laughs> that yeah. was popular for a little while. It just happens that they only remember the the best of the best bands from those eras uh so if if we're trying to stay as current as possible and we even kind of talked about this with the with the waymaker uh episode that we did of you know there's nothing unbiblical with the lyrics uh but with the current version that people are playing right now it's pretty vanilla in terms of its rendition uh where if we if we really take a step back and look at the songs that we're playing from the last two or three years, how many of them really are all that good? Mm. It just in the first place. Oh, uh, expe- that, and that's, and that's not we... to say that they're not biblical necessarily, sure. but just but, to say, is is this really an excellent song that we're going to yes. be singing in ten years? Yeah, I mean, and you know, excellent song can, can certainly mean things in different contexts. But I think there are some. Yeah. Uh, I think there are some foundational pieces here that, um, in general, should be uh, should be congregationally singable, right? Yes. Um, should be theologically accurate, if not yes. just completely theologically rich. Yeah. Um, and should be uh, doable by whatever sort of musical or instrumental lead that is going on, you know, at the church. Um, mm-hmm. I, I but think at the that, same time, yeah, being accessible, so but also being musically interesting at the same time, yes. right? Because yeah, like, some... maybe this is maybe this is just me being a mid two thousands pop punk and emo kid at heart. But there's, well, you're not there's talking something... to a stranger here on that. So yeah, right. continue. There's there's I look at church history and music and something like Handel's Messiah. Hmm. where the complexity of that but i also look at the accessibility of the ramones <laughs> sure or blink 182 or newfound glory where basically any guitarist can pick it up and play it yeah you know like there's there's that tension right yeah yeah you know that's uh that is certainly something to consider um but you know, thankfully, it doesn't seem like the listener has uh, has any qualms about uh, about the at least the, right. the performance usability. But let's focus on the the lyrical piece. Yes, um, I mean because this is something we've we've talked about often, and it's usually talked about uh, under the auspices of a, of a song review uh, or something. But 
really what it comes down to is if you are singing in a church, really, depending on what theories of communication you follow, uh, it could be anywhere, what songs you sing in the shower or what songs you sing to on your ride to work, uh, what television shows you want. It's called the cultivation theory. It's a thing. Herbert Gerbner, look it up. Um, essentially, what it, what it implies is that what, what you consume and, and therefore what you also repeat, as it were, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely shapes you in some way. Now, now th- th- this theory is, is secular, all right? But um, this, this, this theory is not far away from a, a, a phrase that I've mentioned a bajillion times on this show, Lex Arandi, Lex Crenendi, and that is the words that are spoken become, the, uh, become what is believed. The law of yep. speaking equates to the law of believing or, or something along those lines. And when we sing something like, uh, I think we talked about this on the Fight My Battles episode. When we, when we leave a church and the one thing that's stuck in our head is, this is how I fight my battles over and over again without any explanation of that being equally as catchy. Mm-hmm. The emphasis there has the, the, I would argue, the strong possibility to be retained as, I fight my battles. I fight my battles. And whether or not that's the spirit of the song, just like the blessing, you know, one we talked about not too long ago, the, Mm -hmm. it is scripture, the whole dang thing. Yeah, there, there's the nothing objectionable about those lyrics. <laughs> yes, but it's just the arrangement. It's the repeat, you know. It, the, and really, I think we we are on the same page here when we say it's the part that he is for us. He is for us. He is for us. Like okay, but there was a context there, and it's yep. not there anymore. Yeah. So yes. There is a truth. There is a truth that God is for us. We see that in the sacrifice of Christ given to us unworthily, mind you, so that we could obtain this forgiveness, redemption, sanctification, and justification through Christ that we otherwise wouldn't have been able to as, as sinful people. Now, right. that's a whole lot of words to fit into a bridge. But maybe we should be more thoughtful about our bridges. But maybe we should be more thoughtful about them. Because, yeah, he is for me. He's like, yeah, but he's he's also for his glory. Don't forget that. You know, it's not like a lot of praise and worship music nowadays is, is, you know, purely doxological anyways. Um, I think the the self-help Christianity has leaked into CCM quite a bit. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a secret, um, but those are those are more uh, those are examples of things that could be easily taken out of context and arguably were when the songs were written. But what about inaccurate lyrics? Right. I mean, I would I would say that inaccurate lyrics never have a place in corporate worship or in even being written <laughs> i mean i would even go that far like they just shouldn't be written uh we i mean we are called it, realistically you can't about you can't explain your way around it i mean you can't use a song in worship and be like hey we're playing this song to show you what things aren't like like that doesn't work <laughs> i mean we've we've been over this a thousand times on what the purpose of singing in the church is Unification right. of the voices of the people of God, um, teaching them by the lyrics, and that's the important piece here, and then, and then equipping the people of God to return praise and thanksgiving to him through his gift of music. I mean, really, right. and, and also, if we look at it from a historical perspective, uh, not just teaching truths or concepts, but teaching scripture. I mean, from a historical context... Um, that definitely was. And I think, for instance, the blessing was written maybe in that sort of spirit. But what is emphasized 
is then is is then skewed. Uh, but you know, I I am having a difficult time just right off the cuff without looking at like a top 100 list or something. Uh, thinking of some songs that would be inaccurate. Reckless love. I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> what's that? Reckless love. Reckless Re- love. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> reckless love. And I will say that I that I'm heartbroken about one thing. Our listeners, uh, if they're if they're longtime listeners, they'll know that uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Rich Mullins. I adore his entire catalog of work. Um, but he has a song called The Love of God or, or something along those lines. And uh, the, the, the end line of one of those is the reckless raging fury that we call the love of God. And huh. while, while there is beauty in such an explanation, it's unfortunately not accurate. Yeah. You know, and, and we, don't need to, we don't need to kill that dead horse again. Uh, or uh, or uh, was it Michael W. Smith where that, the last line of the chorus is, you took the fall and thought of me above all? Oh, yeah. Ab- yeah, above all. Yep. Yeah. Or, no. No, he did not. <laughs> I, I can objectively tell you, he was not thinking about you above everything else. <laughs> Come on. That still doesn't mean that 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 action was not for the benefit of God's people. Right. But but yes. you were but you were not the God doesn't think you're awesome. Let's let's just say it that Yeah. Way. Yeah, exactly. If he thought you were awesome, well, one he'd be wrong and then therefore wouldn't be God, so but if he thought we were awesome or declared us awesome, then there is no need for Christ. Yep. If there is no need for Christ, then what no the heck are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And if there's no need for crucifixion, then there is no need for incarnation. Yep. And, yeah. Et I'm cetera. looking at the CCI Top 100 right now just to see if I can... Uh, if I can see anything here, um, unfortunately, they don't have a, a they have a drop down sort, but they don't have one that says uh, uh, most heretical. Unfortunately, <laughs> that would have been really <laughs> handy. See, if anyone from CCY is listening, get on that. Uh, it would help the Orthodox among us. Um, I mean, I think this says good things, though. I think this says good things that. That as long as we've been in the the worship music world, that um, and I'm sure we're forgetting many things uh, and little pieces of songs here and there that irked us. Um, but in general, I think we're we're having it's a good thing that we're having a good a hard time uh, trying to trying to find these things. Um, oh well, like blessed be your name. Uh, that's still in the top 100. So good on you, Matt Redman. You made a sticker there. Um, but uh, the, I think I think it's the the bridge. Um, you give and take away. Yep, you give and take away. Still, yep. Uh, my heart will choose to say. I'm like, is this like sanctify heart? Is this like, like I mean, like is this choice like empowered by the spirit or is this like an Arminian thing? Because I'm uncomfortable with that. You know, like I, I don't know. You know. <laughs> Um, I, I remember, you know, being being a good staunch uh, Lutheran as a as a college student. Uh, that was always the song like we can't sing that. Um, so it was always, uh, you lead my heart to say, "Blessed be your name," or, or something. And yeah, we changed some lyrics. Suck it. Uh, but uh, we we haven't done that recently. And the la- I mean, the last time we did "Blessed be your name" was from a. Uh, uh, like a throwback uh, set list that we did uh, oh, seven months ago or so, and and the pastor of the time says, "Hey, um, in this song we're going to sing, my heart will choose to say, uh, and and we know and we rejoice that the Spirit of God is dwelling within us, enabling us to say, yeah, I repent. That's a really good explanation of it. I repent and therefore choose." I mean that um, that's just that's just Augustinian, you know? <laughs> just just outright. Dang straight, yeah. 
But, I mean, professional segue, you know, all this focus on us. Uh, he also mentions focus on the musicians and atmosphere mm-hmm. and lights and camera and, and whatever when, when the focus should be on God. Uh, we've, we've, I don't think we've ever at res while I've been there, not focused on God, but we, we did get a little imbalanced with, uh, I don't know. I was talking to Bradley recently and I was just like, man, you know, what's awesome is I don't feel like I have to put on a show. I don't have to perform right now yeah. i can just get up on get up on the stage and play and worship corporately and that, that's what it should be about absolutely um, and and that's one of the things that we're trying to make sure we don't we don't lose the fact that you know we've made a lot of progress in our church band a ton of progress um, so finding that balance of still doing things excellently because just because you slap a cross on it doesn't mean you uh you get to <laughs> make crappy music or yeah, or yeah, do things exactly. terribly. I I think that we can uh, that we, that we can fairly safely say with the right mindset and I think that's the disclaimer here is with the or or yes. the caveat or or the crux or what have you um that the desire to be excellent musically as as leaders in the church and the desire for worship to be doxological and focused on the person and work of Christ yeah can be safely mutually exclusive that mm-hmm. we can absolutely be a tight tight band you can be a banging organist uh you know you can be a great handbell choir what have you but the idea in all of that is that yes we you know as musicians we we it's enjoyable for us but the idea behind it is we want to offer our best gifts Mm -hmm. and we want to provide accompaniment to the congregation in a way that makes it so easy and once again approachable to sing or to learn or to what have you um and so i i don't think that there has to be um a one is more important than the other or we need to focus on one more than the other i think they can i think they can fly uh together and be complementary um yeah. But I, I think one of the things that is uh, really affected uh, uh, the the church atmosphere, especially in the more uh, the more modern uh, music uh, era, and not only modern music but modern preaching, uh, you know, no, rather than necessarily a pulpit, it's uh, walking around on stage, you know, whatever it may be, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. But I think that. You know, when, for instance, if we put a band on stage, oh wow, that kind of looks like kind of looks like a concert. What other concerty things are there? Oh, well, you could do some cool lighting stuff to mm-hmm. really make it look cool. Now, oh, fog making, machines for sure. Do you use fog machines so you can see your lights better? Do you use fog machines because it creates ambience? Um. I'm not going to say those are mutually exclusive. I think that that use of anything, um, and especially the overuse of anything, uh, can be a distraction and can be a detraction uh, from what our focus should be. Yep. Um, you know, and, uh, I, and I may ruffle some feathers here, but should your drum set really be in the center of the stage? I'm not talking to you specifically because I know yours is stage right, as is ours. Mm-hmm. Um or or chancel right <laughs> what you know holy of holies right you know do what you will um but should your drum set really be front and center like is is that like it sure it balances it visually but if we look at the history of how churches were designed churches were designed so that the focal point and that it's not just like oh yeah big cross in the middle it was everything visual lines all pointed 
to the altar and the cross mm-hmm. in in traditional and that's that's talking like like gothic victorian uh and then then most uh most quote traditional churches still nowadays you have the old testament altar what is the new testament altar and your eyes are drawn there right and and in that it has the ability not necessarily inherently or intrinsically but it has the ability to teach and that hey this is the old testament altar where sacrifices were offered to atone for the sins of people, which really didn't do that. It was the work of Christ yet to come. This was part of the covenant. Anyways, we don't need to go into that. And then we see the cross, the (laughs) empty cross, which is a cross necessary. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I, I, I feel that it's a good thing to have. Right. But we see the empty cross and we're reminded of the other empty altar. The first altar is emptied because the second altar is emptied. Yes. And in one visual sight without talking to anybody, you probably couldn't come to that conclusion, but you could get halfway there. Yep. And once again not lobbying for oh we should all go back into traditional sanctuaries all facing east because that's the direction the sun rises but there are aesthetic concerns when not only when a church is built uh, but production concerns that are really important to say where is the focus and if you've got iMag cameras and that's great because it can really help people during the sermons or whatever. Do they need to be on the band? They are at Christ uh, and have been, but do they need to be? And that's a that's a topic that we're having, that or the discussion that we're having is: Do we yeah. really need uh, to use IMAG for the band? What's what's the point there? What what spiritual or um, uh, edifying process does uh, or, or or benefit does this have? Um, and you know things certainly can get in the way so I got distracted um, got a uh, sorry I got an email from senior vice president at my company uh, on a project I've been working on um, just want to make sure ah kudos I got some kudos that feels nice back hey. to the show um <laughs> I didn't get fired today. There's always next week, but this week's still getting paid. Um, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on cameras? Well, sermon, it's, it's, sermon aside. Sermon aside. Let's, let's say it's a big, a big sanctuary. Because I know Rez isn't yeah, huge. It's, right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of hard for me to process that because we don't have any cameras except for the one that is recording the sermon. Sure. Uh, we're, we're a small enough church that in terms of production, we don't need any of that. Uh, but when I've been to say, uh, somewhere like new spring and, and they're perfectly orthodox, uh, Mm -hmm. um, they're, they are well within the faith. Uh, but they, they are in that more seeker sensitive model. Like I've, I've been there a couple of times and, and it definitely feels rock concert e, um, and I I don't know that highlighting that sick riff visually from a guitarist is necessarily the best thing. I don't know if it, there's a lot of it that feels synthetic, mm. if you will, um, and that and that's Try, trying I wasn't to prepared. Con- like almost like trying to create excitement uh, via visual stimulation, right? And I'm not saying that there's nothing that should be visually stimulating in in a church service, uh, but I think it's likely some of those methods are likely more influenced by the Second Great Awakening and Charles Finney than by Scripture. Sure. Where, where Finney was trying to get you worked up in such a fervor that you'd make a decision as opposed yeah, I to mean, the somber and sober well, proclaiming of the let's gospel. Do a, let's do a virtual raise of hands. Um, you know, I've, I've recalled my, my altar call story at the, uh, at the Planet, Shakers, uh, Planet Shakers concert. I didn't go up, by the way. Already saved. Thanks, Jesus. Um, 
but how many of you have been to a music concert and they and the band is playing there and it just it, it starts to get big it, it's you know the song yep. ends everyone claps dude comes out you know carl lens or whoever um some, some dude with with glasses and, and really expensive shoes comes out and starts talking about uh, and, and it could be something completely accurate our yep. horrendous debt of sin, our total depravity. There's, there's, there's one fifth of the tulip from you, from good old, good old Lutheran John here, um, <laughs> and starts talking about that and how Christ is the propitiation for our sin, our source, our salvation. But in the midst of that, this this little pad that was kind of fluttering underneath gets gets bigger. You get some some ting ting to dings on the ride, and, and maybe the second <coughs> crash. You know the the keyboard starts starts modulating up a little bit. Um, everyone's getting the same feeling. I know they're getting the same feeling because this happens all the time. And eventually, the song gets big, and the and the speaker starts going. And if you want to give your life to Jesus today, say this prayer with me, and the song goes back down. And mm-hmm. insert sinner's prayer here. And then as the prayer goes on, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the chorus comes back again, or the probably the bridge. And then it's this big thing and this big, not necessarily spiritual, but it feels that way. This big emotional release, like, oh my heavens. Yeah. I need to do something with my life. Now, did the music highlight the message in that? Did the lighting highlight the message? Did the fog highlight the message? Did the $700 minor symbol highlight the message? Or did it invoke strictly an emotional response that was kind right. of adjunct to the message. I can't answer that, but I can say yep. that there that there is that that there are that there's there are some risks there. There are some thin lines there that that need to be considered. And and obviously, you know, in I mean, in in some even Protestant, mostly Protestant, obviously worlds, there there's often a perceived difference between the Sunday preacher and a revival preacher. Mm. You know, the revival preacher comes in and, and, and does his thing. And it's usually right. something like, it's usually something like that, except with a Hammond uh, or a Rhodes uh, doing the doing the little uh, doing the little uh, build ups for there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, think, I don't know. I think that's that's a whole lot of discussion around that question that hopefully. Oh. There was one. There was one thing we didn't answer. Oh, oh crap! Oh, would it be appropriate for him to talk to? Yes, 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 absolutely. Regardless of whether you're in leadership or not, pastor, pastor, shepherd, go to your shepherd and say, "Yo, shepherd." I'm feeling that you're poisoning the hay a little bit. Not really. Don't say that. Um, but <laughs> go humbly. Be like, hey. I'm hungry and I you have keep s- feeding me crap. <laughs> yeah. I want steak, not milk. Um, go and say, hey, pastor so-and-so, I have some concerns that have been weighing on my heart and I'd like to discuss them with you. But you have to go humbly. You can't go in on the yep. on the offensive. You can't you can't go in like like Martin Luther, you know, or or John Huss, <laughs> or you can't go in waving a sword of doctrine and strike down anything ready to strike down anything. But you should go prepared, well studied in Scripture, prayerfully and humble to. As it sits right now, the individual who is your shepherd in the stead of Christ and say, hey man, we need to talk about some concerns I have. And I, I would yeah. really love to spend uh, spend an hour and just, just talk through all of these things, pray through these things with you, study through these things with you so I can know. 
and then maybe you'll get a wishy-washy answer. Yep. Maybe yep. you'll get a theologically rich discussion. Maybe you'll pull the wool over of wool out from over his eyes. And yeah. You'll be like, oh my gosh, or, you're or right. Maybe, or maybe you'll plant a seed that you won't see the results for for a long time. Absolutely. So, so uh, let's move on to the Inquisition. We're running. Holy crap, we're running long today. Uh, yeah. So two Inquisition it, well, questions. Let's do it. And Bradley's not here to keep us on track. Right. So, our Inquisition, the segment of the show that we close out with every week and features questions submitted by you, the listener, in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. First question, as is tradition, comes from Brian Morris, who asks a very good question regarding civil disobedience. He asks, as I'm sure we're all aware, California's governor has decided to try his hand at tyranny, which is not an overstatement. Uh, And by that tyranny, he means... uh, by executive order, he has banned singing in churches. Uh, he says, uh, for churches that are ignoring Governor Newsom's un- unconstitutional and anti-biblical mandate, should those churches be extra cautious about not bringing attention to their resistance? An example of this would be like not streaming the music with the service for the time being, or removing instruments for the f- from the field of camera view for the sermon live stream, uh, which is... I hate that we even have to ask this kind of question, um, but you know, before before somebody jumps, tries to jump the gun and say, "Oh, well, it doesn't violate your constitutional rights," well, because you can believe and worship how you want. Uh, usually, people leave it at the well. You can believe whatever you want, but that's not what the Constitution says. First Amendment, which the founders of the country understood this to be recognizing rights not granting rights mm-hmm. you know the rights the rights in the constitution are god-given and simply recognized by the united states it says congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof so therefore constitutionally no government state local or federal has the authority to say here church is how you are permitted or not permitted to worship god exactly Uh, newsom has absolutely zero right to do that and even biblically uh government per romans 13 is meant to punish evil and reward good and what he's saying is that to worship god rightly on the lord's day is evil So you get into Romans 1 with people calling good evil and evil good, you're going to have a bad time. Now, but the issue the issue here isn't that we're isn't that it's we just can't sing. That's right. not the issue. The issue is does someone in political governmental authority have the right to say how we can or cannot worship our creator and the answer right. is clearly no right so then so then he asks should we should we be more careful about how we present ourselves uh with with live streams with videos with even social media posts photos whatever and and i can't bind i can't bind his church's conscience by any means but i would say flaunt it <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, go ahead and make this a thing because eventually it's going to get struck down by the Supreme Court. So we might as well get it over with. <laughs> yeah, um, and and let people know. Yeah, we are going to sing to our God on His day corporately, and there's yep. nothing you can do about it. Uh, I'm I'm not one for uh, being brazen. In flaunting sure. uh, tyrannical laws very often, but this is one of them. Like it really is that absurd, that ridiculous, and yes, tyrannical and evil and sinful. That that some form of satire and rubbing their nose in it and all that is absolutely appropriate. 
Yeah, I, I don't uh, get that fiery on the podcast that often, but yeah, well, sure. And, but you know, it, I think it's something that that's absolutely welcome here. I mean, I I don't know if if I would uh, brazenly go out and say uh, new, new is it or Newcomb? Newsom. 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 I think it's Gavin Newsom, right? Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. Way. I don't know. I didn't even know yeah, the last Gavin one, apparently. Newsom. Gavin Newsom. I mean, if we were to go on the live stream and start calling attention to ourselves by saying, uh, hey, Governor Newsom, um, watch this. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't, I I don't wouldn't think, say that. Yeah, I don't no. think that's that, that's wise. But the government has no right. Right. And in that, he is he has issued a decree with which he has no authority to enforce or make, which makes it null. Yep. Simple as uh, that. I believe Luther and Calvin had some really good things to say about the civil magistrate. I know Calvin did. Uh, so look up that chapter in the Institutes. I think it's the very last one, actually. Uh, so let's let's move on to our uh, second and final Inquisition question of the week, uh, which is, I mean, we could seriously make these two Inquisition questions entire episodes. Oh, of course. Uh, but Dust, Dustin Beeman asks, what is the most important doctrinal issue facing the church today? Whoo. That's a big one, isn't it? Uh so on a normal, like, non-Rona <laughs> times, <laughs> I would I would waffle between um, refuting the New Apostolic Reformation and Word of Faith, yes, and theological liberalism. Mm. Uh, but at the moment, I think that pendulum has swung partially because the prosperity preachers have made such fools of themselves with their declarations and decreeing and, you know, speaking against coronavirus and Ken Copeland trying to summon a strong south wind to blow it away and all this kind of nonsense, uh, even to the even to the point of uh, Bethel closing their healing rooms, <laughs> which is yeah. just hilariously ironic. Um, so I think I think at the moment they've discredited them, themselves so much that they're not as big of a threat at the moment uh, to Christian orthodoxy. I think it's more on the theologically liberal side where the gospel is not enough. Uh, being justified mm. by grace through faith in Christ alone uh, to the glory of God alone is not enough for the woke crowd. You could... Uh, you could easily rewrite Romans 8.1 to say there is now much condemnation in woke theology, uh, which is not meant for redemption. It's not meant for uh, forgiveness. It's meant for shame in perpetuity. And it is the uh, is quintessential legalism on its face. Um, so with, with that floating around with the Black Lives Matter movement. Obviously, we have no qualms with the phrase Black Lives Matter, but when the founders themselves claim to be trained Marxists, <laughs> uh, we're going to have a problem yeah. with that. So, that's just my thoughts. What are you trained in that? Is there, like a, is there like a school that you go to? Like a it's academy? The, uh, the Soviet school of supernatural Marxism. <laughs> the gulag. <laughs> um... The Gulag School of Revolution. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, not getting any financial aid there. Uh, no, I am. Uh, I am spot on uh, with you, Cody. I think that those uh, those pre-Rona were were absolutely the main concerns. And, and right now, as far as the the whole church, if we look at all of Christendom, absolutely yeah. theological liberalism. I mean, every uh, every denomination body sect will have things that they are individually struggling with i mean one of the big things strangely enough in in for instance the lutheran church missouri senate uh recently has been uh is communion effective via the internet mm-hmm. i mean that's a big thing that's been that's been discussed and 
since we confess the true presence of not only body and blood, but of bread and wine together. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not transubstantiation, we, people. Correct. He's, correct. He's good Nor is it cons, Now is it consubstantiation? Is a sacramental union of both. Now, if you know, here, here's where here's where the, the the debate really comes in. It's because people haven't had to think about this for years, hundreds of mm-hmm. years, probably about five hundred, if I'm honest, um, in the Lutheran Church. <laughs> Um, when Luther when Luther <laughs> screamed at Zwingli, "This yeah. is my body." <laughs> oh, the, all the times that you wish that him. you had, a, all the times that you wish you had a DeLorean, right? Just to see some of those things. Um, I mean, Joseph Fiennes did a great job in the movie, but some that just ain't enough. Um, no, like. It, it, what what's being discussed right now is. When does the body and blood become joined to the bread and the wine? Notice I say they didn't become. When does it become joined to the bread and the wine? Is it when it is received by the communicant? Is it when um, it is uh, um, consecrated with the words of institution? Is it the words? Is it the pastor? making the sign of the cross and uttering this scriptural phrase, is it that action that joins them together? Mm-hmm. Or is it as we confess in the small catechism in Luther Confessions, uh, and uh, and Luther's small, yeah, that's, I said what I meant to say, sorry, got backwards, that it is the word of God that does the doing. Mm-hmm. And if it is not, and if it is the word of God, is that word of God not efficacious through an analog digital converter? And and to be fair, that has been the recommended stance of the LCMS ecclesiastical oversight thingy kind of right. ish. And and this is this is you know, for people in non-denominational churches this just isn't a big deal uh yeah but this is but this is a lutheran distinctive uh robert godfrey uh had a had a great session on renewing your mind recently and it it was a rerun i've heard it before uh but talking about evangelicalism and how in broader american evangelicalism it's you basically have to lose your distinctives you have the bible you have grace alone faith alone and trinity and that's about it and, and they say, hey, you Presbyterians, shut up about pedo-baptism because you're going to cause disunity. Hey, you Calvinists, shut up about election uh, because you're going to cause disunity. And, and hey, you Lutherans, shut up about the sacraments already. Uh, yeah. And by and large, the Lutherans are like, nah, we're good. <laughs> so, which, is, which, is, which is why so often you don't have Lutherans identifying with broader evangelicalism. And yeah. understandably so, because, because they're asking you to give up what makes your denomination your denomination in the first place. <laughs> Absolutely, because praise be to God, we have, uh, by and large, through evangelicalism, a healthy understanding that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ, yep. the very Son of God and God himself. Right. Praise be to God that we have that understanding. Yep. Um, and, and that's, and, and and that's not, led I'm, to a lot of really good cooperation between denominations and, and different backgrounds and stuff like that. has. And, and celebration of what other denominations are doing, which is healthy. I'm going to leave this, this uh, little example of the LCMS right here uh, and say, if there and this is this is a challenge to uh, whatever committee, probably the Commission on Theology and Church Relations um, that they have, whatever committee came up with this thing that no, it doesn't work through the internet because it because it, because it's digitalized, it's not whatever. I, I I haven't read the whole document. I I read the the executive summary, um, but does that mean a church with a digital sound console? Is therefore mm. not effectacious as well. Hmm. So I don't know. Mike Drop. Where, where it could even, weird it could stuff, even be it could even be the on. correct conclusion with the wrong argument, potentially. Yes. 
because yes, we, I mean, you know, a couple months ago we had we had that episode with Bradley where we yes. we talked about online communion and and you know he outright said that he doesn't want to do it again. He's like, of course he's not saying outright that he was wrong. I'm not saying that he was wrong outright. Uh, I have questions and I'm okay with having question marks. It's not sure. It's not a deal breaker, you know. I think th- I think there are th- some things with the sacrament that are uh, specifically beneficial when celebrated together in, in in outside of just your family unit. I think there there mm-hmm. are some some things there, and this is a huge topic that we don't need to uh, get into. But just for an example, we have these these big things going on in all of Christendom, and then each each one of our denominations has has some things going on too. And, and for for the the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, at least, uh, that's one of them. And there are some churches who are um, doing online communion, um, but. N- when they publish their recording afterwards, that part is edited out. Not that, not that because we have any sort of legal oversight from Senate or from district. Um, right. But, you know, the best kind of attention to have when you're in an ecclesiastical polity-based church body is no attention at all. So I don't know. <laughs> well, let's leave it there, shall we? Bradley I think didn't we should. reel us in. So this is all your fault, Bradley. Uh, follow us, comment on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you support the show at anchor.fm and email me when you do so. I need to think of a closing line. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. John Ross here again, uh, working through the episode in post-production. Uh, last night, I kind of threw together a bunch of ideas I had for uh, for another song that I've been working on. You guys have been uh, my victims for some some of my other projects. Uh, got a new one going. I'm going to tack it off the end here. Um, it... Uh, it's based off of that, that old Sunday school song. I've got that joy, joy down in my heart, uh, but it's feeling a, a, just a bit too kind of VBSy. Like it's not that song. It's just like inspired by. But it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I try to do like a citizens and saints sort of vibe. But uh, uh, you know, shoot me a DM, uh, post something in the podcast lounge. Let me know what you think. Uh, so here it is, uh, called "Down in My Heart." Understanding, living deep down in my heart. So away my tears and sorrow, comes a storm tearing me apart. I'm walking through that darkest valley, still my shepherd carries me. Walking with me in my journey, till my Savior beckons me. I've got that joy, joy, joy I've got that joy, joy, joy Down in my heart Your ways are good though I can't see them This mystery I'm trusting in Revealed hope is my dependence Your promises, yes and amen Keep me on that straight and narrow Point me in the way to go Jesus Christ is my perfection Son of God has made me whole I've got that joy, joy, joy I've got that joy, joy, joy Down in my heart On the hill I see my maker Arms open wide my soul to save Raised again in blessed victory Raised triumphant on the grave I've got that joy, joy, joy Got that joy, joy, joy Down in my heart to stay Nothing can take that away I've got the love, that hope, that burning desire down deep 
joy, 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 got the joy, joy, joy.